Hello, my name is Jacob Gray, and I am the pastor at 10 Mile Baptist Church. I want to thank you for joining us for our online services. We believe, whether online, in person, or through missionaries around the world, that we are called to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the end of the earth. And we know that it is hard sometimes to check out a church for the first time, whether in person or online. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can learn more at 10milebaptistchurch.org or any one of our many social media outlets. We are so glad that you are here, and we hope that you enjoy today's sermon. I want to thank them for that. Uh, what it's like to serve with me. Last night at 6 o'clock, I text Jamie and said, Hey, would you sing this song? Have you ever heard of it? And if not, something similar. He's like, Well, I've never heard of it, but we can make it work. And so they did. And so I am very, very thankful for that. And I would ask that this morning if you would open your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3. And I have two cards this morning that I would like to read <clears throat> to you. Thank you, 10 Mile family, so much for the beautiful flowers that were sent and for the food during the passing of my grandfather. Thank you all for your love, prayers, and support. It is truly a blessing to have such a wonderful church family. And that's from Alicia and T.R. Schneider. The second card I have for you this morning is a little different. But it is still, I think, very special. Dear 10 Mile Baptist Church family, <clears throat> thank you for the generous load of many... Hmm. I ain't got my glasses on. I'm just kidding. Um, I think it's pantry and toiletry items you blessed our residents with. We appreciate how you think of us in such practical ways and pray for us. May God bless your church and continue to grow it in your love for Jesus. Love, Steve, hmm. Courtney, Michelle, Tim, and Aiden. And so, just continue to be the church that you are. I could have swore I'd just seen something fly from one row to the other over here. <laughs> Piece of candy, throw one up here. No, just kidding. Uh, losing my mind, I thought, I can't see. And I'm like, but anyway, no, couldn't pass up that opportunity. But um, today I want to ask you about witness. If um, you say, well, a witness, yes, and witnessing, yes, but in our society, a witness is a very important person. Uh, in a criminal case, the witness is very important. And in a criminal case, there are some things that makes a good witness good and a not-so-good witness not so good. Usually it's something like this. The individual that has witnessed the crime or event, what do they stand to gain or lose from that? So, for instance, if a drug dealer is arrested, and then they proceed to uh, testify about 37 other things they've seen, that is usually not considered a good witness because what? They are wanting something in return, right? They are wanting to have their sentence um, decreased so that they can get out. But if there is a witness who has nothing to gain, for instance, if you were just standing on the side of the road and saw the incident, you have nothing to gain or to lose. Your background has something to say about 
your witness in the legal aspect of it? Have you had legal trouble? Have you uh, been a witness before? All those things feed into that. And today I want to, to start with that because I think that in order for you and for me and for our families and for our church to make the difference that God wants us to make, we have to witness more and waver less. Witness more and waver less. And so today is the last week of our sermon series, Yes, Lord. And we looked the first week about how Christians should be worry less, right? We should be worrying less the more we trust God and grow in our faith. Then we looked about how we ought to worship Him. You don't worship a pastor. You don't worship a church building. You have to worship Jesus Christ. And if you worship anyone or anything other than Him, you will always be disappointed. Last week, we looked at worshiping or walking in truth, that we have to walk in truth with our family. We have to walk in truth with our church family. We have to walk in truth with the lost. But today, I want to talk to you about witnessing more and wavering less. And so if you found 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13, if you would stand with me to reverence the reading of the word of the Lord. It starts in verse 13 and says... And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. This is the key verse this morning. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Pray with me this morning. Father, as we come today, Lord, we're thankful for this time that we've had to worship you. I pray, Lord, that you have helped us to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, that we've been able to focus on you. Father, I pray now that as I begin to speak from your word, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me, that you would close my mouth to the things that should not be said and open it to the things that should be said, Lord, regardless of what I think or feel. Father, I pray that you would work in a mighty way for your glory and your glory alone. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the idea of serving God in persecution is something most of us have never faced. But I want you to know that it is coming. And it is coming quickly. Now, I know that I should not even talk about this verse because this is probably the verse that is the most difficult for me in all of the New Testament. I have no problem talking about Jesus. I have no problem talking about the hope that is in me. I have no problem talking about what I think the Bible says. But there are three words in verse 15 that I really, really, really struggle with. And they are the last three. Meekness and fear. Or what that could say is reverence and respect. 
gentleness. I have no problem usually saying what the Bible says, but I usually never say it in the right way. That's why I deleted my Facebook account, because I got so tired of watching Christians beat up on each other. I'm not worried about what the, the atheist says, the infidel says. I, I fully expect that. I fully expect a godless heathen to say godless heathen things. But I cannot take it anymore when I watch the children of God devour one another. And I can be the worst at it. I can be the worst at it. I knew it was going to get quiet today, so I won't even say that was a good one. And the reason it got so quiet is you do the same thing. You mean well. You know well. You know what's right. But yet when it comes out, it doesn't always come out the way that you want it to. And when persecution happens, that's what he's talking about today. When the pressure is on. When the temperature rises. In those moments when our faith is overflowing from us, it talks about people are going to ask. They're going to ask, how are you making it through this situation? How can you have peace when there is no peace in the world? How can you be having joy in the situation that you're having joy? How can you have forgiveness in a situation where you shouldn't forgive by the world standards? In those moments when the pressure is on, the temperature rises, people ask that question. I want you to think about it like this. As you know, I have no problem making fun of my weight. I have no problem with that. My wife tells me you shouldn't make fun of your weight because people that are your weight, they're probably upset by that, and so I'm sorry. But um, one thing I always get a kick out of is someone will say something like this to me. I, wish, I with, which, wish I had as much faith in whatever as you have in the fact that your belt's going to hold. Come on now. <laughs> you get it. Right? That's all right. One person said one time, I don't know who makes your shirts, but the fact that those buttons hold are a miracle. And don't worry, I've said the same thing. Brian and I make fun of our weight all the time. It's okay. It doesn't bother me any. I, I, I think it's funny. Now, you might not, and I'm sorry, but I'm telling you that for this reason. Because when the pressure is on, that's when you see whether things work or not. That's when you see whether or not things are going to hold. Things are going to last. Things are going to accomplish what they were intended for. Bridges are fine if they don't have any cars on them. But if they're not, to build, they're not built to support the weight of traffic, you have a problem. Those chairs are wonderful. But if they're not built to support the weight of you, it's not wonderful. A few years ago, I, uh, my oldest one was fairly little, and uh, I was going to sit in a lawn chair in our front yard. And right at the time that I went to sit in the lawn chair, which it was an old lawn chair, let's be clear, all right, it was a $5 Fred's lawn chair back, you know, and so, and I was holding her, and I'm sure the extra weight of her, about 20 pounds was what it was, my neighbor pulls up in the yard, his 
father-in-law pulls up in the yard, and as he gets out to wave at me, I go to sit in this lawn chair in the front of my house, and as I sit, there is no stopping when I hit the chair. The whole bottom of the chair ripped out, and I ended up on the ground with a child, feet in the air, and my neighbor going... (laughs) You see, that chair was built to support weight, but apparently not as much as I put in that chair on that day. It was humiliating. Humiliating. Next family reunion, guess what happens? Because they're related. Guess what happens? Hey, guess what I saw in Dalgren one day? Yeah, it was me. You see, when the pressure is on, what happens? And Paul is saying here, when the pressure is on, when persecution comes... What is overflowing out of you, when it reflects Jesus Christ, people want to know, what do you have that I don't? And look at verse 15, because I want to show you this morning what I believe is so important for us as God's people, as God's church. It starts in verse 15 and says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. First and foremost, you must be saved and submitting to to him. Now I know those two S words are not popular, saved and submitting, but they are two words that are absolutely vital to your Christian walk. You have to be born again. You cannot have something that overflows out of you if it's not first in you. Jesus cannot flow out of you if he is not in you. I have this bottle of water and it will cont- I'm not going to pour it out, don't worry. I will pour that out But there has to be water in it. If it is empty, there is nothing to pour. And so if you want the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, you must first have God in you. And the Bible says that when you get saved, when you are born again, the very Spirit of God comes to live where? In you. And so if this was full of coffee, it would be better, but it's not. Right? It could be full of lots of things. But whatever is in here, when I tip it over, it is going to what? Come out. There is a game, and uh, you've probably seen it on, on, on the internet, but it's not really a game. But someone will take a bottle of water like this, and it would be full. right? And they'll say, look at that. What's in that bottle of water? And so, It's usually some old person, right? They love their kids and grandkids. They'll waddle up to the water bottle. What is it? And the kids go and squish the water bottle. Then it all comes out and gets all over them. Whatever is in that bottle is coming out. And as a Christian, you need to know when the pressure's on, when the squeeze happens, what's in here is what what comes out. And I know what what's not good English, but it worked. And so today I want you to know that you must know that you are saved. Not if you're a church member, not if you've been baptized, not if you feel like it, but have you been born again? And in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus describes it like this. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You say, so you're saying, Jake, every time I'm saved, no matter what happens, God's always going to come out. No. (laughs) You can be saved and other stuff comes still out. 
Because the flesh is still a problem. The flesh is still something that we are battling with. That's why you must be saved and submitting to Him. You see, Jesus said it like this in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. But really, if you look at it in the original language, it doesn't mean like, if you love me, you will possibly keep them. It says, no, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what that means is, every day, I have to be dying to self. Every day, I have to say, God, I am not in charge in my life. I am not in charge of my marriage. I'm not in charge of my children. You are. You know what's best for me. You know what's best for our church. You know what's best for our family. And I have to be at a place where God, not only do I love you, not only are you the Savior of my life, but you are also the Lord of my life. And if there is one thing we as Americans don't want to talk about, it is submission. Whether it's submission to government, whether it's submission in our workplace, whether it's submission at home, we do not want that word. I always tell people all the time, you can preach almost any topic you want and be okay in a Baptist church. But you use the S word and you will quickly find out the rebellious heart of people. Just, just think about when I tell you to submit at work. The first thought you go is, oh, my boss. Oh, man, he's a mess. When I say submit to the government, oh, do you know what that, anyway, I can't even, you see, it almost came out right there. What about submit at home? Husbands and wives are to submit to one another. Wives are to submit to their husbands. Children are to submit to their parents. You can preach on anything you want until you touch on that. Why? Because we're rebellious. But if we want to overflow what is in us, we have to be saved and we have to be submissive to Him. Second thing I want to show you from this text this morning is you must be willing to share about Him. You must be willing to share about Him. Look what it says there in verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and... Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Some people will ask, well, why doesn't it say faith there or salvation there? And I think the same reason that Paul um, um, used it in his sermon in the book of Acts is when the pressure is on and when things are challenging, hope is what we need. Hope that God is going to continue to meet His promises to us. That God is going to be faithful. And so Paul uses this word specific. Because what most people are lacking in their life is hope. Many people as they age and they start to realize my life is almost over. Death is coming. That's as good as it gets. Many people today are, are in bad situations in their family. They've lost loved ones. And, and so there is, is, what's their hope? And what Paul says is, you have to know where your hope comes from. You have to know who you have hope in. And then you have to be willing to share with others when they ask why you have hope. Mark 16 describes it like this in verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to 
every creature. You know, you're not supposed to keep your faith secret. You're not supposed to keep your faith to yourself only. I've heard people say that I don't know how many times. My faith is a private matter. No one else needs to know. You know what? That's very true. But Jesus said, if you deny me in front of men, I will what? Deny you in front of my father. Last week, we had a young lady who came down with her mom and dad and told us that she was ready to be baptized. She was saved at home. You say, Jake, why does that matter? I, I've got saved and I've kept it a secret. No, you are to witness to the other people about what God has done in your life. There is no Christian who can be obediently walking with God who has been born again but who has not followed in baptism. You just can't be. Obedience to God, the first step after being born again is what? Baptism by immersion. And why? It tells everybody, God has changed my life. When most people get baptized, who do, they, who do they tell? They invite people usually. They invite people that they dislike, right? No, they invite the people they care about. They invite their family. And part of that is we want to celebrate with them, right? We want to watch our loved ones follow the Lord in baptism. But there's another reason. The other reason is we hope that what God has given us through salvation, that we are witnessing through the outward expression of it, God will use to convict them. That's why the Lord's Supper, we do it in remembrance of Him. And that way we are reminded, but yet also those children that are with us, those spouses who cannot take the Lord's Supper, who are with us, hear and see what God has done for us. And so today I want you to know that God expects you to witness of the hope that is in you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible says these words, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Think about that. When you are sharing your faith, God is using that and the Holy Spirit to deal with them. You are the mouthpiece that God is using to plead with people. If I know that your house is on fire. Maybe you saw it here recently. There was a lady who, uh, who her neighbor's house was on fire. And she had one of them cameras on her front door. And uh, it caught her. And this lady, in her, I think she was in her nightgown. You know, had her hair all put up. Whatever it was. It wasn't real good quality. She was beating on the front door, and the camera caught it. I don't know what kind of camera it is or whatever, but just remember, don't pick your nose at people's front door, okay? Um, and this lady is just beating on this door, and she's just screaming and hollering. Why? Because her house was on fire, and she didn't know it, right? What if she just walked up, knocked one time, no one answered, and left? That's how I visit people. I'm like, please don't let them be old. No. And leave. You'd have thought, that's a terrible person. That is a terrible human being. There was children in that home. A husband, a wife. And she, she didn't even try. I hope you know where I'm going with this. Some of us are like that lady that just walks up and knocks on the door. That's it. We ought to be passionate about the fact that we believe God can save people. That God can change lives. That God can forgive sinners. 
That no matter where you've been or what you've done or how old or how young, how rich or how poor, God can save you from your sins. And if He can save me from my sins, He can save others. And when you believe that, it will change how you live. The third thing I want to show you this morning as we quickly move along here. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The third thing is you have to speak with the right motives. Have you ever spoke the truth but not meant it or not had the right motives behind it? It's kind of like that old uh, commercial. It's one of my favorite commercials of all time, right? And, and uh, if you're old enough, you remember it, right? I think, I can't remember what the brand was or whatever like that, but it was the lady who was getting ready and she put the dress on and she uh, had referenced her husband. Does this dress make me look fat? Might have been in a movie. I don't remember where it was now. And his response was, you betcha. I think it went on to say something like, if you need life insurance, you know, I don't know. Right? It might have been true. But it probably shouldn't have been said. And I think all of us at a point in our life can think back and remember something like that. I think sometimes we have said the truth and it was the right thing to say, but we said it for the wrong reasons. And what Paul says here is, you cannot use the hope of God in you and not value the people you're talking to. Don't miss that. You cannot value the hope of God in you if you don't also value the people that you're talking to. This word for gentleness here um, in this first part or meekness really means strength under control. Strength under control. Sometimes meekness is taught that you have to run around like this all the time. I'm so easy to get along with. I'm so nice. I'm... That's not what it means. Meekness means the strength of God in you, but under control. That I know what needs to be said, when to say it, and how it should be said. Hence why I said this is one of the hardest verses for me in the entire New Testament. Why? Because I'm not always meek. But listen to what 2 Timothy says in verse 22 of chapter 2. Flee also Eustace lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. You see, there is a time and a place to speak the truth, a time and a place to declare our faith, a time and a place to declare what the Bible says. But you also have to remember that you have to care about the people that you are speaking to. We are fastly approaching a day. And if you think this is too political, I'm sorry, that's not my intent. In the last week, we have seen a full-on assault 
on the principles taught in God's Word. That's all right. Some of you will get this. Some of you will just be wrong. That's okay. When the President of the United States makes it his mission to force boys and girls into the same bathroom, in the same sports, in the same settings of life, you have solved depravity at its fullest. I can't, I, there's no, it doesn't matter if he's a Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter. This coming week, you are going to see the President of the United States sign the Mexico City policy, which says, at this point, bans your tax dollars and my tax dollars from going to foreign countries, not this country, but foreign countries to murder children in the womb. This week, that will be signed, most likely. You see, you need to understand something. Persecution is coming. And when people ask us, how can you be so against the policies, but still love the person? Uh, I said that right. It is because God loves them. And judgment's coming one way or the other. I pray that they're saved before it's too late. You see, that's the difference between a Christian conservative and a non-Christian conservative. We can hate the policies, but not the person. And what happens in most people who don't know God is they hate the policies and the what? Person. That's really good. I don't care if you like it or not. That's good. Because it reflects the heart of God in us. Because it goes on and says, not just with meekness, not just with gentleness. And, not, and this fear doesn't mean that you're terrified. It means that you respect and you reverence. It's kind of like this saying. I don't know if I can respect anybody that sits in the White House almost anymore. But I can respect the office. I don't have to respect the lifestyle of my boss at work, but I can respect the fact that God has put that individual over me. You see, that's what the Bible teaches. That's what it says. You don't like it. I can't help it. I didn't write it. And so it changes everything about us. I'm going to tell you, as long as God leaves me on this earth and leaves me in this pulpit, I will continue to preach on the sanctity of human life, on the sanctity of marriage, on the sin of homosexuality, on the sin of abortion, on the sin of pride, on the sin of whatever it is, as long as God leaves me here, I'm going to continue to do it. There was a church in California that was, was, uh, blew up this week. Uh, an explosive device was left in there, and the title of the article was what? Church with anti-LGBTQ beliefs was attacked. And the article was all about not the individual who had the explosives or the fact that they were trying to find them was the fact that this pastor, and I don't agree with him, I don't know him, I don't know anything about him or if his sermons were right or wrong, but the whole article was on the fact that this pastor brought it on himself. And he brought it on his church by being a hate group 
and a hate monger and someone who does not value the worth of a person. I want you to know something. The reason that we tell people about Jesus, the reason that we tell people that God loves them, the reason that we talk about sin is for this simple truth that we believe that God punishes sin and the sinner. God does not just punish your sin in hell. He punishes the sinner. And if you could leave your sin in hell and take yourself to heaven as a lost person, that would be one thing. But you can't. And so we tell people about the love of God because of the love we have for them. That we really do believe there's one way to heaven. And His name is Jesus Christ. There's one way for people to be saved. They must be born again. We really do believe that without Jesus Christ, that God will punish sinners. And if the house is on fire and we warn not the homeowners, we are guilty of negligence at best. And so today I want to challenge you, Christian, as this world continues to do what the Bible says that it was going to do, as America continues to embrace the sin and wickedness of sin, as people around you in your own home and your own family continue to reject the things of God, you must give a defense for the hope that is in who? Not Jesus, but the hope is in who? In me, right? The hope that I have. It doesn't say I have to talk about the the hope of this church, the hope of America. He says, if I've got it, if I have Jesus, then it is my responsibility to tell others about the hope that I have. That, hey, the governor might lose his mind. The Democrats might lose their mind. The Republicans might lose their mind. The president might lose his mind. My own family might lose his mind. This church might lose its mind. But there is one person that I have all of my hope and trust in. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He promised to start my faith and to finish my faith. He promised that when I took my last breath on this earth, I would take my first breath with him. You see, it's time for the people of God to, one, love God with all of our hearts and to love other people, regardless if they agree with us or not. And so today I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me. Because first and foremost, I want to ask you today, not if you're a church member, not if you're a conservative, not if you're a Baptist, not if you're a Methodist, not if you're a Catholic, not if you've been baptized. But today, do you know in your heart that you have repented of your sins, asked God to forgive you, and to come into your heart and life as your Lord and Savior? And today, do you really know and believe that you have been forgiven and loved and changed by God. Because if you don't tonight know that today, 
nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You can give, you can serve. But friends, if you do not know without a shadow of a doubt that you have been born again this morning, you are on your way to hell. But you don't have to be. You say, Jake, well, I really would. I know God's convicted me. I know God's been dealing with me. But I just, I'm embarrassed. I, I, I'm confused. Do not let the pride of what other people think about you keep you from Jesus. And I can promise you, if someone in this church has a problem with you getting saved, asking a question about your faith, friends, they'll repent, be gone, or we'll both be gone. Because the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner is saved. Today, maybe you're here and you say, Jake, I, I've, I've prayed that prayer. I've meant that in my heart, but I've never told a soul. Or I've never told a soul outside of my wife. Today, God wants you to witness it to the world. Not to deny Him in front of men. You say, Jake, I'm saved and I've told people, but I just, I'm, I've just never been baptized. Today, God wants you to come. You say, Jake, how do you know He wants me to come? Because He wants you to be obedient. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Maybe you're here today, Christian, and you're like me. You mean well. <laughs> you try. But sometimes when you open your mouth, what comes out doesn't reflect meekness and gentleness. Maybe you're like me and you have a hard time loving certain people and the things that they do. But I want to remind you that Jesus loved you while you were still a sinner. Christ died not for the godly, but the ungodly. And so today we have no idea how God's going to work and move in people's hearts. Who God's going to save and who God's not going to save. We have no idea. What we can do is live in such a way that they see the hope that is in us. And when they ask, we can tell them, Jesus changed me. The song that Jamie sang today about grace. The song that I asked him to sing and they're going to sing in a couple weeks is Sinner Saved by Grace. And the whole premise of the song is based on this simple truth. Where I was, who I was, has been changed. And I have value for one reason. Because I'm a sinner saved by grace. So today as this altar call begins here in just a moment, I want to challenge you. If you don't know Jesus, or you need to be baptized, or you need to publicly make that profession of faith, you come. I'll be standing right down here. If you're like me, and you want to be used by God to talk about Him, and tell others about Him, and to reach your family, you come. Say, Lord, help me to speak the truth in love, not to, to waver in a world that tells us Maybe it's something totally different today. Maybe you want to come and pray for your marriage, a family situation. This invitation is for you and God to do business. 
And we want to encourage you to be a part of that. We just would like to thank you for watching today's sermon. And we pray that it has been a blessing and an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.